0: The content of First Corinthians, we don't believe that's the letter that he's referring to in Second Corinthians. So we believe that Second Corinthians is actually the fourth letter that Paul's written to the Corinthians, second that we have in, in, the, in the Canon of Scripture. Now why are the first and third letters lost? Well, we don't know, except that God and His providence has saved these two for the benefit of the church and the benefit of people. I don't know, maybe just like you and just like me a couple of thousand years later. Amen. All right, so um, but let me tell you, after four letters. And after two visits, um, Paul had visited uh, Corinth a couple of times in his ministry. In his in his missionary journeys, he had visited um, uh, in in Corinth. You can read about it that it, that's in uh, the accounts are in Acts chapter eighteen, and then I believe again in either nineteen or twenty. I can't recall off the top of my head this morning, but in in either nineteen or twenty, I think it's twenty, um, where Paul goes through and goes back through, through Corinth. And Corinth, the church of Corinth, continues to have problems. Um, the first time he goes through, the first letter he writes is all about worship, doing worship correctly. It's all about people um, letting go of their, um, their sinful backgrounds and following Christ in purity. And he's rebuking and, re- and telling them, you've you got to forsake your sins. You've got to turn toward Christ in holiness and purity. And uh, he talks to them about, about worship, about trying to get that all straightened out. Um, and then uh, he's also, and he's talking a lot about immorality that's in the church. The second letter, he's still struggling with the Corinthians, but the arguments kind of changed. The, but the struggle is, is that there are now a lot of false teachers in Corinth. Now, this is after Paul's visited a couple of times, written three letters. There's still, he's still struggling with the believers in Corinth to try to get it right. You know why I think that is? I think it's because the church will always struggle to get it right. Yeah. The church is always going to be made up of people. Those people are always going to be flawed, and it's never going to be perfect. Matter of fact, I think it's one of the lessons from Second Corinthians is if you've dedicated your life to ministry and church no matter what order you're in. You know, if you're doing, if you're doing janitorial work all the way up through uh, doing an elder or, or, or pastor, there's going to be struggles in the church because it's never going to be perfect. There's always, going to be, there's always going to be some suffering in ministry, right? It's just always going to be that way. And one of the things we hear about Paul, and we're going to read this next week a little bit, but one of the things that Paul says, and you can just come, he's just kind of revealing his heart. He's, just, he's saying, I have opened my heart to you. And he begs them in, uh, in, was it chapter 5 or 6? He's, he, he's, we're going to talk about this next week. But he says, I'm asking you to open your heart to me. And you could just tell this heartfelt passion that Paul has asking for the believers to, to listen to him and to recognize his authority and to stay true in their following of all that Paul taught. And he's just asking him, open your hearts to me. I've opened my heart to you. I've opened my ministry. I've laid down my life. I've put my time in. I've visited you. I've written you letters. And yet you're following false teachers. He says, open your hearts to me. And you can just see the raw emotion here that Paul has in just his dire concern for the Corinthians that they might all be lost in confusion in following false teachers. Even after Paul done so much for them, he's afraid that, that uh, it might be for naught because they might go and follow false teachers. So, so you, you just see this raw emotion that Paul has. And, and from this, I, I think, you know, there's some, some, of the, some of Paul's letters that are called the pastoral letters. I think 2 Corinthians is the prince of pastoral letters, even though it's maybe not included in those, um, because you can just see Paul as a pastor having a fatherly concern for his children, his spiritual children in Corinth. Um, so anyway, let's jump right to it and, and let's listen Um, to what Paul has to say uh, and and how Paul acts and moves and what we can learn about spiritual leadership. Now, let me me start like this. How many of you are spiritual leaders? All right. Let me correct you. All right. (laughs) Okay. How many of you are elders or overseers in a church? Okay. Spiritual leaders. How many of you are deacons within a church, buddy? Okay. How many of you are ministry leaders within a church? How many of you are teachers within a church? How many of you are parents? How many of you are grandparents? How many of you are believers amongst your family? How many of you are believers amongst your friends? Okay, everyone I've just mentioned, you are a spiritual leader. Let me tell you about leadership. Leadership, um, to quote John Maxwell, um, leadership, John Maxwell says, is influence. Influence the influence that you have on other, on other people. Now, there are good influencers and there are bad influencers, but we are all, in some way, we have our own little part that God has given us a role to play as spiritual leaders. Now, fathers, you are a spiritual leader, the spiritual leader in your home, and you are a companion with your wife to be the spiritual leaders of your children, right? Amen? Uh, those of you who serve within the church, you are spiritual leaders. You are trying to develop people spiritually here within the church. Those of you who are parents and grandparents at home, you are trying to develop spiritually your children at home. Amen. So who, now, let me ask again: Who of you are spiritual leaders? Oh, yes, very good answer. All right, you listen, y'all listening today. This is good. This is gonna be a good Sunday. I can tell already. The Cowboys playing today? Oh, it will be a good Sunday. Not, there won't be any letdowns this week. That'll be good. All right. They're Monday night, aren't they? They're playing Monday, aren't they? All right. right, Second Corinthians chapter 1. Let's get going here. I'm sorry I talked so long. 2 um, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read through this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen how Paul starts this letter. Very different from many of the others. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of Compassion, the God of comfort. I'm sorry, the God of all comfort. verse four, who comforts comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow into our lives, so also. So also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also shall share in our comfort. That's actually hard to say, but anyway, good stuff there. Uh, Paul, in this, it's, it's interesting here that the first rattle out of the box that he's talking about God's comfort, this is kind of different than he, the way he did in many of his other letters. But, um, uh, and I've read a couple of commentaries about this. Maybe Paul was caught up because Paul was writing this time just a year after he'd been to Corinth the first time. So this is Acts chapter 20 kind of time. This is after, you know, he'd had a little trouble in Ephesus. I don't know if you remembered. There was a riot and they tried to find him so they could kill him. And he'd gone from one city to the other and they were all trying to kill him. So maybe this is just where Paul's living right now. Is that he's remembering? Wow, do I need the God of all comfort? Because everywhere I go, the Judaizers are trying to kill me. Um, I think though, part of it though, is is kind of what he's going to get at here. Um, in just a little bit of letter, he's going to talk about how he's had to just really be pretty harsh with the Corinthians to get them to wake up and to follow what he's saying and to quit listening to false teachers, to leave behind the, their uh, old lifestyle of sexual impurity and to follow Christ in holiness. And so he's had to be pretty harsh with them in the past. And so maybe what he's talking about here is now I want to speak to you now about God's comfort, about the comfort that we have in knowing and serving the Lord God that we, that we have um, so anyway, here's what I want to point out to you though the lessons that we can kind of learn about about um, about um, s- spiritual leadership. the first thing is this is that spiritual leaders pour what they received from God into the lives of others That's the first one. Um, spiritual leaders pour what they receive from God into the lives of others and notice what he says here um, Verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Spiritual leaders recognize that I didn't just receive so that I could be comforted. I received comfort so that I could give it away. So I'm getting from God and I'm giving to others. And spiritual leaders recognize this as that this is not just for me, right? This is not alone for me. This is not just between me and God because everything that I do as a believer happens in the context of a church, happens in the context of a body of believers. And what I receive is not just for me, but it's for the encouragement, it's for the comfort, it's for the strengthening, it's for the upbuilding of the church, the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? You with me? All right. So uh, that's the first thing. They pour what they receive from God into the lives of other people. And, And it's just that this is that we always, people who are spiritual leaders, and you're all spiritual leaders, and in this way, Always have a concern for other people. Always have a concern to see God doing them what he's done in you. Amen? All right. Um, The other thing I want to point out here is about suffering in particular. Paul has learned God's comfort. How come? Because he suffered, right? Things were easy, and so he understood God's comfort. Is that how that works? No, it's not. How do you know God's comfort? It's because you've suffered. How do you know God's strength? It's because you've walked in weakness. How do you know God's healing? It's because you've been sick. How do you know God's encouragement? It's because you've been down. How do you learn, uh, God's that there's hope in Christ? It's because you were despairing, right? There's only one way really for us to internalize the things that we know about God, and that is to walk through suffering. I I, I wish it were differently, but oftentimes that's the only way. Maybe it's because we're thick-headed. I don't really know. Uh, but the most I know, I, I know I can just tell you from my own testimony, the most I've learned about God, I've learned through suffering, right? That m- more than any other way. And matter of fact, let me—I I, kind of touched on this a little bit last week, but let me just repeat it just a little bit. Um, is this? Is that? Um, bef- the best way I know to, to to personalize my your relationship with Jesus Christ is for you to need Him personally. You hear me? Um, Right, when, when, a, when a child goes through things, when a child suffers, you know, a child um, grows up and, and, and often they're kind of uh, buffered against real tragedy a lot of times. Although not all, certainly some children suffer and from the very earliest years can remember times where they've suffered, right, and even before they have long-term memory. But, but for the most part, children suffer um, their suffering is generally buffered, and, and God's very gentle with us in this way. But you know, so you'll be talking to a child, child, and those of you who do uh, children's ministry, right? When you pray and you ask them if they have any prayer concerns, what one of the first things they ask they ask for prayer for is what is for their dogs and cats, right? Right, And so you and I look at that kind of thing and we say, yeah, that, that, that's, you know, God cares about that. That's good. But, um, but they, haven't in, they haven't suffered themselves. And so as they grow, though, this Christianity that their parents believe and that they've been taught about in church becomes more real when all of a sudden I'm the one suffering. Then all of a sudden this God who's been the God to my parents has been the God that's been presented in my Sunday school class, has been the God presented in my church. Then he becomes my God, because when I called to him, he answered me. When I was suffering, he heard me. When I needed comfort, he comforted me. When I was walking in weakness, when I was failing, when I didn't know if I could make it, he strengthened me. When I was despairing because I didn't have any hope, he reminded me that I had hope in him. And that's when the God of all comfort becomes my God. You with me? I don't know any other way. I know this is in the scriptures from what I understand and from what I see, the best way to know and to, for God to become personally mine is to need him very, very personally. amen. so I want to let me just talk to you through suffering just a little bit. Um, here, the next set of, of, uh, of slides here for um, for you is that first of all, our suffering is an opportunity to get, for God to show us comfort, strength hope um, and there again, you, ju- you just don't know these things about God until you, he's walked with you through those things, until you've called to him because you're in trouble and you found that he was faithful to be there with you. Amen. You just don't know these things until you needed him. Y- you know, it just wasn't faith until you were reaching out for him and you found him and, and grabbed hold of him and, said, and you said, thank you for being there. Thank you that you always hear me. Thank you that you walk with me through this struggle, through this suffering. Our suffering also, though, it helps us grasp Jesus' suffering for us. Let me tell you what that means. Is that, um, so um, so you end up in a in a in a in a friendship that goes south, right? You end up with a friendship that someone does or says something that hurts you, right? And then you read in the scriptures, and God says forgive, and you say but, and He says forgive, and you say but wait a minute, it's just this. Forgive, right? It's just pretty blatant. Jesus is just so blatant about forgiveness in the scriptures, and painfully, isn't it? And so you 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 react this way. You say, "But God, you don't understand what they do. You don't understand how hard this is to forgive." Okay, now you're beginning to understand the suffering that Jesus Christ did on your behalf, and you begin to learn for the first time, maybe, how very difficult it was and what it took to forgive all of your sins. So when you say, but God, you don't understand how hard it is to forgive, he can say, I do know. I, I do. My son suffered horrific torture to bring forgiveness for you. He knows forgiveness, and he calls us. He knows how difficult it is to forgive, and he calls us to forgive anyway. Amen? Amen. All right. So when you begin to wrestle with that, when you really become, when God really puts the pinch on you and, and, and you begin to really wrestle with his command to bring about, to forgive other people no matter what they've done for you. And yeah, you know, 70 times, seven times, um, whenever he asks you to do that, really what he's doing, one of the things that he's doing, he's using the friction in your relationships to help you understand your salvation better. To make it so that it can become, so it can go deeper in your own heart. It can go deeper into your own soul so that you can grasp a little bit better just what was it that Jesus did on that Friday. Just what was it that he did? He forgave me by taking on the suffering for my sins on his own body. And the forgiveness of my sins are 100,000 times greater than the suffering that I'm being inflicted. And yet he forgave me. And by that, by our suffering, by that infliction, we begin to understand our salvation so much better. And we come out of it on the other side, what, much more grateful than we were before. Amen? People who've been changed by the forgiveness we've been shown. Amen? May it be so. That's what amen means, right? Amen? So be it in our lives. Okay, the next thing about suffering. Suffering is an opportunity to show God's comfort, strength, and hope to others. We don't just suffer meaninglessly. If you're a believer and you believe what Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, right, uh, that that all things work together for the good for those who um, who uh, how's that end? I, I just I had a little TIA, a little transient stroke. I called according to his purposes. Is that it? Close. Who love him and are called according to his purposes. Right. Thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, all right. I, uh, okay. So um, if you believe those things, then you and I believe that. Th- if that's the case then even my suffering is for a purpose. Even my trouble is for a reason, right? That means that everything in my life has a purpose Uh, That God has behind it. And can I tell you, one of the purposes that we suffer is not just so that we can grasp, although this is so important, just not only so that we can grasp how great the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is, not only can we grasp how fantastic the redemption that was bought for us, not only so that we can grasp a little deeper about God's forgiveness, but also this, so that when we walk alongside our child who suffers, when we walk beside each other when we're going through suffering, we can say, I've been there. I've suffered too. Uh, And I, I I I can't tell you that I've suffered in the same way, but what I can tell you is that when I did, I called to God and he didn't fix my circumstances like I wanted him to. He didn't just pull me out of there like I wished he had, but he walked with me and he strengthened me every day through the journey. And looking back now, I can say and I can tell you that suffering was for a greater purpose. That suffering is so that I could learn more about God. That suffering is so that I could maybe come one day and put my arm around you and say, hold on. Hold on to Him. Hold on to hope. Hold on to Him that He's going to see you through this, that He's going to strengthen you, that He's going to show you His grace, and He's going to walk with you through it. And that when you call to Him, He hears you. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't feel like it today. But one day looking back, you'll know He saw, He heard, and He was with you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um we suffer for a purpose. We suffer so that when we, when we receive from God that we can pour that into the lives of other people. Amen. Amen. Um I intended to go quite a bit further today, but I talked too much. So um, let's leave it at that this morning. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil this by going too fast. We're going to take the next couple of weeks um, to kind of go through some of this um, about just Paul, just revealing his 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 pastorly, fatherly heart that he has for the Corinthians. And as he does, I want it to. I want us to really weigh into that, and and for us to recognize that. You know, as this is true of Paul, I want it to be true of me. And so, I, let me just ask you. Let me just ask you today um, to remember these things. Is that um, God intends for what you've received for you to show to other people, for him to show to the other people around you. And so where you've received his grace, he intends for you to show grace. Where you've received his, his comfort in suffering, he intends for you to, to, show, to teach others, show others about how he is the God of all comfort. Amen? Are you with me? All right, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about spiritual leadership and, and uh, how we're supposed to show it to the folks around us and folks, folks uh, who are under us in, in our, uh, whatever territory uh, that God, God's given you. So let's do this. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. I'm about to uh, be done with my voice today. Um, so let's, let's see. Tim uh, Thieson, would you mind praying for us? And uh, let's see. You all stand with me, and Tim will pray for us, and we'll be dismissed today.